Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Um, so, Joanna, we're just talking about how wonderful life can be. Uh, just, yeah. just off air there. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, here's your first question. Uh, before Christmas, I went to get a blood test. I thought it would be a good idea to bring my three children to watch to show them that there is nothing to be scared of at the doctor's. It was very calm. There was no fuss or anything. But my daughter, who was now two and a half, quickly became hysterical as she saw the vials of blood fill up. She went so pale and fainted. Ever since, she has become very preoccupied and worked up at the mention of injections or doctors. Recently, my four-year-old son had to have an x-ray. My daughter uh, came to that appointment too and got so worked up, she fainted in my arms and then got sick a few times. I held her and soothed her and after a short while of getting sick... She came around and even started walking around and exploring. We're very lucky and thankfully didn't have much of a, much cause for doctors, but I feel this is something that we need to help my daughter deal with. We have a toy doctor set that we often play with. She often pretends to give me or her brothers or her dolls injections with no bother at all. She also watches the Daniel the Tiger show which talks about going to the doctor and how to think of happy things if you get nervous. I try to repeat this, but I wonder if there's something else I can be doing to take this worry away from my daughter. I feel so bad that I brought her to the doctor that day now. Uh, I think it was just too overwhelming for her little mind. Oh my goodness, big reactions for a little one. Yeah. And there's that, of course, really natural parental instinct of how do I take this worry away from her? But of course, we can't take Mm. a worry away from somebody. It's really about sticking with them and supporting them so that they can gain mastery over the worry. And she's two. Yeah. So that's especially difficult because what's being described here, Sean, you know, with the hysterical response, the fainting, the vomiting, the preoccupation. That's really a vasovagal response, which is a term to describe when you have that very sudden drop in heart rate and blood pressure in response. Well, there's lots of causes, but in this instance, in response to a trigger. So like for her, it would be the sight of blood. And then later, even though in the X-ray you don't mention there was blood taken, it could be the association with the clinical environment, doctor anticipation response. Of course. So you can get that. And now look, if she was older than two, so if this is anyone else going, gosh, this happens to my child and they're a little bit older. One of the things that you can do and you can go if this was a chronic thing, like you could go and get some cognitive behavioural work done, not at two, but older. But is that when your heart rate and blood pressure is dropping so dramatically is to tense your muscles and squeeze your, I'm doing it right now, like people can Mm -hmm. see me, but you know, shoulders and fists and because it will bring your blood pressure back up. and But that's a way of going, oh, I'm feeling faint. I can anticipate what's coming. I will consciously do this to correct it. She's not going to be doing that no, at two no, or any time no. soon. But just that is something that would be looked at. And the other thing is that, you know, one way we want to is tell her the story of her experience so that she can have that support in making meaning of it. Again, with a slightly older child, that might be about narrating it to them, you know, Let's think about that day. You got a really big fright. I thought you would find it interesting. I was wrong. You got a big fright and it was a really bad experience for you. 
I wasn't being hurt. You know, when the doctor takes that little bit of blood, my body very quickly makes new blood and I'm fine. Isn't that amazing? Did you know our blood tells a story about our bodies? That's how doctors read the story of what's going on in our body. And you can make it interesting. But at two, again, that's too many words, too many concepts, too abstract. Instead, you're going to tell the story through play. I love that she enjoys that already. You have the doctor kit. This is not anything to do with injections. She's quite comfortable playing with injections and doing that to her siblings or her dollies. But you could do that in modeling in the play a fear response. Oh, I'm scared. I'm and comforting the little baby doll, reassuring the baby doll in play and doing it for her in play that she gets to feel that experience she had. Mm-hmm. But from that removed step with fresh thinking and new perspective, seeing it play out for the doll and being comforted because at her age, you're going to have to be the calm that calms her. And that will mean lots of physical reassurance, touch, cuddles. If and it's not if, let's be honest, when she has to go to a doctor, she, I'm glad you don't have and long may it continue much cause or regular cause for doctors, but you will eventually have to bring her there or occasionally have to, that you're anticipating her her response by you providing that deep, proprioceptive, deep pressure touch, tight, squeezy cuddles. She sits on your knee for everything. You're providing that physical structure of wrapping your body around hers so she's not feeling uncontained in it. And hopefully this kind of works itself through. And as she gets older, you can grow up those supportive responses. But right now it's going to be about doing the communication, not speaking it. Yeah, I wonder, was it that even though there's a general fear around doctors now, but going in and knowing, you know, knowing some something's going to happen, maybe having some idea in her head that it, of what it is from the game she's played, but seeing actual blood come out of a person that's an extraordinarily vivid experience for a two-year-old. It really to have. is. It really is. And some people, many people, actually don't like stand. the sight yeah. of blood. Yeah. And she may be one of those. It's too soon to tell at two yeah. years old, but she may be somebody who just can't stand the sight of blood. And that's a whole other process to work on. If that's the case, right now it may be that she didn't anticipate the doctor, who she doesn't really know, doing something to mom, her person, mm. and she had a very big response to it, a physiological yeah. response to it. And look, the doctor's kit, the Daniel the Tiger stuff, that little tiger has a great message on everything going on. He has a song for everything. So, I mean, keep, right. oh yeah, keep all, <laughs> I mean, he'll sing his way through everything, potty training, doctors, the works. But, I, you know, keep that up. But bear in mind that in Daniel the Tiger, when he's saying, think of happy things when you feel scared, that's too much for a two-year-old. But it's no harm to keep that message up so that okay. when she is old enough, but you're a couple of years away from that to yeah. begin to, so that you can say, what's your happy thing. At two, she's just like, get me out of here. This is not good. My son is 10. I have two younger kids. Uh, My mother has has a very bad alcohol and prescription pill addiction. I have limited uh, contact and will not take my kids to my family home as there's no way of knowing how my mother will be when we arrive. Even if she is sober when we arrive, she may not be sober 20 minutes later. And I never want them seeing their grandmother like that. Alcohol is a big problem in our family going through the generations. And as my son gets older and begins to learn about alcohol... As it is covered in school, I'm wondering, is addiction, how how has it affected our family, something I should openly discuss with him? And if so, what age is appropriate and how much detail do I give? My biggest fear is that he will somehow pick up on the same message as my mother has, which is that in our family, some people are addicts and it can't be helped. She will often say things like, I can't help it, I'm an alcoholic. I don't even know if this is something I should discuss with my kids at all. 
Am I better off to leave it and never bring it up? No. Because it's going to come up. Absolutely you know. it is. And I just, you know, we have to start with thinking about how stressful it must have been to be the child of that mother. It's so stressful to grow up with that unpredictability that's still continuing. Like, yeah. you know, when someone says I can bring my kids there and she might be sober when we arrive, but 20 minutes later she might not. You will be in a state of heightened arousal, that uncertainty of trying to anticipate how quick do I need to get the kids out of here? That's not an enjoyable visit. You're going to be filled with unavoidable anxiety. Mm. Um, Just even bringing the kids to see her, your kids will be aware that that's not a pleasant experience for you, though they may not yet know why. They may know something is different about granny's behaviour, that granny's behaviour can suddenly change, but again, not quite know why. So I would always be a fan of, yes, you tell your children truth and you tell them stories. But when you say what age is appropriate, it's much more about developmental capacity than chronological age. And the same goes for how much detail you give. What you don't want is that you decide, you know, this is the moment I'm going to address this highly emotive, triggering, anxiety provoking narrative for me. And you overwhelm your son with it. Give a little bit of information. Let that sit Check how he's understanding it, what his questions might be. And you go back to the story and you grow and extend it once he has time to digest the information. So it's not a one off conversation, but it's something that you continue to grow. And, you know, I also just the reason I think it's important that you don't hang on to this on your own. It is not your or your son's responsibility to hold a family secret like that. And sometimes it's in secrecy that these things can Faster. Yeah, Yeah. they really do. And I think you want to demystify some of it so that it's not a I can't help it. This is the way it is in our family. But you say, no, actually, there is another way that this can be. And awareness is a key part of that. Mm. So that what I would say, though, in talking about this, and it's why you need to the first time you say this out loud, don't let it be to your 10 year old son. Have someone in your life you practice this story with. And, you know, how does it feel for you to tell it? What feels comfortable? Where are you tripping over your words? And get that piece as comfortable as possible. You know, that we want to get comfortable with what is an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. But don't demonize alcohol in general because your son will see people enjoying alcohol and that can be very confusing then. Oh, it's bad, but hang on, someone else does it. And instead, you're going to say that lots of people in your family have had a big problem with it. Not a problem, a big problem with it. And that your family have to be very, very careful about drinking alcohol. If you feel it's appropriate, you know your son better and your own capacity to tell this story. You could use Granny as an example without demonizing her either because she's still their grandmother. Mm. But saying you might notice that Granny's behavior can be different on different days we see her or can change suddenly. And that's because she also has a problem with alcohol. And it's something that's very hard for her to get in control of grow the story with him. He is only 10. I'm not suggesting you sit down and give him everything in one sitting. In fact, quite the opposite. Don't give him everything in one sitting. And in terms of, and I'm inferring here, but perhaps the damage uh, done on Mammy by Granny Mm. uh, um, because of this uh, terrible uh, disease. Should you go into that at all? I mean, it might be, I think, in due course that will come up. And and children are wise, Sean, you know, and he will be learning about the health aspects of alcohol, too, which will include the ill health aspects of alcohol. So he will have some frame of reference so that when you do it, you might want to give him some of the story before school are covering it um, or at least be aware of the messaging that the school content is so that you can align with that, but then extend it as it is with your family narrative. I mean, at the moment, how do you tell the story of granny 
or do you at all? How do you explain to the children we have to go now or account for Granny's behaviour yeah. on different visits? Um, there might be different ways of doing this. It's just that, you know, it's it's very it's her message or this parent's message um, that they want them the, the child defaulting to, you know, mm-hmm. so that another family narrative. We all grow up with family narratives, don't we? Stories yeah. pass through the generations. If the existing story is, but sure, look, at we can't do anything about it. It's just the way it is in our family. Now's the time to rewrite a new chapter for your children going forward so they don't grow up with that helpless attitude to it, but that they have a story about. Actually, it's something we talk about. It's something we're aware of and very, very careful about. Okay, uh, one last question in the few minutes we have left. My seven-year-old can't get his cousins and can't get his cousins and siblings right in his head. He can't seem to understand the various connections. He mixes up who people are the whole time. One day his brother, uh, one day his brother's day is a cousin. The next day his cousin can be his sister. Is this the thing that happens when he started school? He couldn't understand how his teacher wasn't an aunt or some way related. He would ask so many questions and uh, ultimately end up in the, in the wrong conclusion. I tried explaining that. His teacher was a teacher, was a person who helps you learn and play. Maybe he needs to have associations in certain Mm. ways that I can't understand it myself. Any thoughts? I mean, it's hard. (laughs) I mean, has anyone here ever tried to work out who the child of your second cousin is directly to you or their child? You know, like it's hard. It is, you know, family formation, family lineage is complex and he's young and he's letting you know clearly this is hard for me. Okay, so that means I need a bit of help with it. I would be playful with it. Draw out, get a big poster card, lots of photos, print stick, your scissors, draw out a huge family tree and even with colour coding, stick people on it. You know, one yellow for cousins, blue for siblings, pink for aunties. Plan it all out like that and then have a second piece where you do a circle. You can use whatever language you want, but perhaps saying this is your safety network. These are important adults in your life who are not related to us. That's why they're not on the family tree. Mm. So they belong in the circle, not the tree. And you're helping him, but in a very visual way. And just stick that up. Laminate it if if you're very proud of your work, by the way. But otherwise, just stick it up somewhere where he can constantly refer when he's getting a little bit jumbled about brothers, cousins, others. Just say, oh, find that person on the tree. What colour? Oh, that must mean they're a cousin. And he will learn it. And you know what? Maybe it is about connections or maybe that there's a cousin he feels very close to in a sibling type of connection. It doesn't really matter. But it's like kids, you know, kids routinely would be in school and call the teacher mammy or daddy, Absolutely. you know, because it's all kind of almost a little community they're existing within. You're really. taking care of me. You're invested mm. in me. You're very important to me. So I'm slotting you into very important language for me. Yeah. And that's often what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Uh, Joanna, Joanna Fortune there. Uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. What is normal? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.